All right, let's go. Welcome back to the Seven Generation Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well out there. I know it's been a while since my last episode. I actually came down with uh, COVID a few weeks back. Um, I'm definitely recovering nicely. I think I had the Omicron uh, version of COVID, so it really wasn't that bad. I do have a lingering cough, um, unfortunately, but other than that, I feel pretty good. So today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about motorcycle club culture, colonialism, and decolonization. I was able to attend an event in early February uh, down in Southern California on February 5th. The Pacific Sovereignty Run was held. This was an event that was put together by a number of motorcycle clubs, and um, uh, it was held to basically celebrate um, Islander culture, indigenous culture and Islander culture. The Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club um, was instrumental in making this event happen. And if you recall, I did do a couple of episodes back in 2020 with uh, the Pacific Savages. And if you haven't checked out those episodes, I encourage you all to, to listen to them. They are really, really good. Anyway, so I was able to attend this event uh, and get a couple interviews uh, with members of the Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club. Um, and I wanted to talk uh, about... Um, again, their role in putting this event together and helping make this uh, um, historical um, run happen. So what does this have to do with colonialism and decolonization? Well, actually a lot. And I, I want to try to uh, kind of flesh that out. So I hope you bear with me. If you don't know anything about colonialism or you don't know what the hell decolonization is, then you're really going to get something from this episode. Um if you know a little bit about motorcycle club culture and you um, can't even begin to think about how colonialism and decolonization uh, are connected to uh, the MC world, uh, hopefully by the end of the show, you'll, you'll kind of have a, a better understanding of, of how I'm making these connections here. So but I do want to start off by saying that uh, when I did these episodes back in 2020 with the Pacific Savages, I was not affiliated with the organization at all. But currently today, I am affiliated with the organization. But I want to make it clear that my views here on the show are my views. Uh, these are the views of the 7th Generation Podcast, not the views of any other organization. So I do not speak on behalf of any organization. I speak on behalf of myself. And I want to make that clear because some of the things I might say could offend um, people. And um, which is fine because, you know, uh, the whole point of the Seven Generation podcast is to talk about issues that are taboo, to talk about topics that maybe some people don't want to talk about. And to keep it real, to keep it, you know, you know 100, as some people say. So, these views are my own, and I, I want uh, to make that uh, very clear. So let's go ahead and start off with colonialism. What exactly is that? Well, this is where one group leaves their homeland and basically invades another group's territory, takes over the land, and imposes their own culture on the group that's being invaded. Here in the Western Hemisphere, Colonialism begins in 1492 when Christopher Columbus sails the ocean blue, lands in the Caribbean, 
and it immediately begins to impose a colonial type of structure on the indigenous peoples who live there. And every single European um, nation that makes their way to the Western Hemisphere basically does the same thing. So colonialism isn't anything new. This dates back to um, earlier empires that moved into new territories taking people's resources, forcing people to pay tribute, and so forth. Modern colonialism, however, is a little different. It's connected to uh, the rise of capitalism. And if you really want to understand how the world is structured today, you have to understand the history of modern colonialism. And so colonialism is important. The history of colonialism is incredibly important if you want to understand the lives of indigenous communities and why there's so many issues and why you have poverty and why the suicide rates are so high, why the languages aren't being spoken any longer, why the ceremonies and the customs um, were not being practiced or are not being practiced. To understand all that, you have to understand the structure of colonialism. So with these new... um, colonial uh, powers and invading indigenous territories, you see laws that are created that are meant to dispossess and oppress indigenous people. And this happened here in the Western Hemisphere, in Polynesia, places like New Zealand, Australia, basically all over the globe, parts of Asia as well. And so what the colonizer did is not only... um, Uh, leave their homeland and set up colonies in some cases they decided to stay so the united states is what you would call a settler colonial state so you have europeans who come here not only are looking they looking to extract wealth and take that wealth back home to the mother country they eventually decide to stay and make this their home so the united states is a settler colonial state you had indigenous communities that uh, experienced uh, an incredible loss of uh, life, loss of land, and in many cases, loss of culture. And that's really the downside of colonialism for indigenous people, is that our lives, our cultures ripped asunder um, by this process. And uh, Richard Wolff, an uh, academic, you know, he argued that you know, colonialism, especially settler colonialism, you really don't want to understand it as an event, as some historical period. You really have to understand it as a structure that colonial societies have a particular structure. And of course, the colonizer is at the top of that hierarchy and everybody else is at the bottom, right? Well, I would argue that indigenous people don't even exist in that hierarchy. The whole point of colonialism is to erase the history and the culture of indigenous people. And there's just so much history that I could get into that I don't have time to really talk about. But basically these structures are put into place to erase the history, the culture, the language, the customs, the religion, and so forth. Here in the United States, there's laws that are passed. You have the 1880 civilization regulations that are meant really to completely dismantle Native American societies and to completely erase the culture and the history and the religion 
and so forth. And there are severe consequences for people who attempt to keep their culture alive, who attempt to um, uh, keep their languages alive. And so all the problems that you see in indigenous communities today really do stem from this legacy of colonialism and the structures of settler colonialism that are still very much in place today. And so um, part of decolonization is really challenging all that. Um, colonialism is not just a physical thing. It doesn't just entail colonial, or excuse me, doesn't just entail genocide and the physical removal of, from the land. Um, in some cases, you know, the mass murder of people. Yes, it definitely includes all all of that. But colonialism colonialism is also very psychological as well, and uh, what it does to the colonized um, is completely distort their thinking and there's a type of self-hatred that um, often um, takes hold in colonized communities because everything about the indigenous communities is wrong right they're uncivilized they're barbaric they're savages all these stereotypes are created to dehumanize indigenous peoples really to uplift the, the colonial structure, to solidify the colonial structure. And part of decolonization, again, is just quest, not just questioning all that, but dismantling it. So I would argue that you know decolonization isn't about representation. It isn't about having a seat at the table. Indigenous people don't want to have a seat at the colonial table. They don't want to be a part of the colonial structure at least those who are seeking decolonization the whole point is to have your own thing to have your own lane to be able to celebrate your culture help out your communities practice your religion practice your your language carry on your customs and give your culture to the generations that are coming that's part of the decolonization process is rejecting the colonial structure, completely dismantling it and seeking independence. And that, you know, let's bring this back to the Pacific sovereignty run, just the name itself, Pacific sovereignty run that, that word sovereignty is important. What that implies is freedom, independence. So decolonization seeks to reverse and remedy all the problems that has come with settler colonialism through direct action, through recreating a social structure that's reflective of your own culture, a social structure that's reflective of your worldviews, of how you see things. Again, it's not about having a seat at the table or representation or diversity and so forth. None of that shit matters. We don't give a fuck about the colonizer's table. We just want to be able to do our thing freely. And again, this is, you know, very, very difficult, especially when you have colonizers, right, who benefit from the structure that's in place. And that's the whole point of colonialism is to create a structure that benefits the colonizer, and erases the history and the culture and the religion and the language of the indigenous groups who are the original people of the land. And again, this happened 
um, basically throughout the world, throughout the Western Hemisphere, throughout Polynesia, Australia, Hawaii, New Zealand. Indigenous communities went through this horrible process of colonialism and are having to deal with the structure of colonialism, as Richard Wolff uh, describes. And these structures, again, are, are very um, eliminating and uh, racist and discriminatory. And so part of decolonization is challenging this notion of white superiority is celebrating our culture, being able to do the things that we want to do without having some type of uh, structure in place that limits our movement. That's a big part of colonization, especially settler colonialism, is restricting our movement, telling us what we can do and what we can't do, or how to do things. Everything that, that the colonized colonized people do is for the benefit of the colonizer part of decolonization is rejecting that bullshit so what we do is going to benefit us what we do is going to benefit our communities it's going to celebrate our heritage our customs our ways of doing things now again decolonization isn't about telling other people how to how to run their lives It's just about saying we want to have control over the way that we do things. It's not about controlling other people. It's not about telling other people they have to capitulate to the way that we do things. That's not decolonization. Decolonization is about, again, challenging those old colonial structures and being able to be free. Free on your own land. And this is something that... um, uh, indigenous people, not all, but you know, many indigenous people are striving for today. There's some people who have no problem being colonized, and there's some people who are so damn colonized that they can't even begin to see a world outside of that colonial structure. There's some people who are so colonized psychologically that they will pander to the colonizer to be accepted, that they work to be accepted by their colonizer and part of decolonization is not has nothing to do with acceptance we're not looking to be accepted we don't care if we're being stereotyped we don't care if we're being dehumanized by the colonizer as long as you stay the fuck out of our way and you let us do our own thing you can say whatever you want about us and this is again what i think is happening in the indigenous community especially those who are looking to break free from this colonial mindset so again i I mentioned that uh, there is uh in previous podcasts i talked about the united united nations declaration on the rights of indigenous peoples and i just wanted to mention that again i wanted to read a quote from it It says indigenous peoples have the right to self-determination by virtue of that right They freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social, and cultural development. So again, self-determination, what that basically means is freedom. That's sovereignty. To be free, to do the things that are reflective of our culture, that are reflective of our worldviews. 
But here's the here's the thing about uh, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which was, I believe, it was um, uh, adopted by the General Assembly in the United Nations back in 2007. Is that it's just a piece of paper? That's all it is. And there's nobody enforcing these rules. And so it's really incumbent on indigenous people to, to take it upon themselves to challenge these Western settler colonial structures and, again, create their, their own world, recreate their social worlds that are free from these constraints, from this oppression. And this is really hard. This is a very, very difficult thing, especially in the motorcycle club community. If you want to do your own thing, you want to have your own lane. And this is something that you have to fight and struggle for because you, you have in the motorcycle club community. Again, this, these are my views. This is how I see it is that you have a colonial structure. You have a hierarchical structure that doesn't give a shit about indigenous views or indigenous culture. They care less about that. You have a colonial structure that is fixated on perpetuating the ideas, the wealth of that colonial society. And I would argue that what I saw anyway at the Pacific Sovereignty Run is people rejecting that. Just saying, hey, we have our own thing. We have our own culture. We have our own unique ways of looking at motorcycle club culture. And as long as we're not trying to be in your world as long as we're not trying to um, imitate you. We should be allowed to do our own thing. And again, this is not an easy uh, uh, thing to do, to be separate, to be distinct, to be sovereign, to practice self-determination is, is very, very difficult in the motorcycle club community because there's people out there who believe that if you're in this world and you put a patch on your back, you have MC, a little patch that says MC on your vest, then you fall within that colonial structure. And you don't have a choice but to follow those rules. And again, decolonization says, fuck all that. We've got our own ways of doing things. And again, this is what I'm seeing that's happening currently and how people take that um, on the other side um, could be, uh, hey, let them do their own thing. Let them have their own lane. Or it could be that old colonial mindset like, no, we created this. This is ours. It belongs to us. Everybody else needs to fall in line. So part of self-determination, part of being sovereign and free is to struggle and to uh, maybe feel the pain as well of, uh, of that struggle. And this is, again, something that I'm seeing more in the, the motorcycle club community that I'm a part of. Um, no disrespect to how other people do anything, no disrespect to any individual or any organization. It's just the days of accepting 
colonial mindsets, colonial stereotypes, colonial laws that dispossess us, that keep us from being able to practice our culture freely, those days are over. And the days of being able to do the things that we need to do to uplift our communities, to practice our culture in a healthy way, um, that's what a lot of indigenous people are looking to do. And again, it's not an easy process. Decolonization is not a fucking metaphor. Decolonization is not just some idea. Something that you have to practice each and every day. And it's difficult to do because going back to what Richard Wolf said about settler colonialism, it's a structure. It's a bunch of social institutions that have a colonial structure that really are meant to disenfranchise and dispossess indigenous people of their rights, of their humanity. Anyway, so I hope you got something from this commentary here on uh, colonialism, motorcycle club culture, and decolonization. Again, I think there's some really great things happening in the motorcycle club community. Um, and man, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really proud to um, be affiliated with the Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club. Um, their story is absolutely incredible. And, and like I said, if you haven't listened to those episodes on uh, the Pacific Savages, I encourage you to go back and check them out. Um, like I said, I have a couple of interviews with the Pacific uh, Savages uh, Motorcycle Club. Two members uh, sat down and talked with me at the Pacific Sovereignty Run. So I'm going to go ahead and share those interviews uh, with you right now. Hope you enjoy them. All right, here we go. So we're at the Pacific Sovereignty Run in Southern California. And I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about why we're here today. Uh, my name is, well, they call me Cruiser. Um, I'm the regional chief and the tribe chief for San Diego. Uh, my position is to oversee Southern California all the way to the border. And we're talking about the Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club. Yes. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the Pacific Sovereignty Run? Okay, um, so basically, um, uh, as a whole, the Empire came up with this idea uh, many years ago about getting all the Asian Pacific Islands together, you know what I mean, to show their, their culture and their togetherness, like we show when we're out in our countries, you know, from Hawaii to Samoa to Philippines to any country that's in the Pacific and in Asia, how we, how we are very family oriented. So the Pacific uh, Savages are a culture-based club, yes, and you see a lot of culture here today. So you know this looks like a pretty historic event, having different Polynesian you know groups coming together, motorcycle clubs coming together. Can you tell us a little bit how that how how was that able to 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 actually happen? Well, how it's happened is, um, if you've ever been to Hawaii, I, I use Hawaii because I was raised in Hawaii, have fun in mainland, have fun in Hawaii, and the family-oriented things we have over there, didn't matter where you were from, you know, on the islands or whatever it was, you were given that aloha. So we wanted to bring it here to the States because it seems a little standoffish between all the different cultures. So. You know, we wanted to spread the aloha and whatever Asian ethnicity you have yeah. to show that, hey, we're right. 
you know, we, we like to ride. We're happy-go-lucky guys, and that's what, you know, we want to show the world that, hey, we're good people and we like to ride. So what's the most misunderstood thing about the, the Pacific Savages? Okay, um, since I've been part of this club, the biggest, the biggest thing is when we go to events, whether it's Islander, cultural events, we're kind of looked at like the, the bad cousin. I like to say the bad cousin, you know, and we're not. We're just part of the family who like to ride Harleys. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, you know what I'm saying? That this, this came about. We want the community to know that we're here to support the community, to show them that, hey, we are here to help, which we have been doing by having events like this gathering at the PSR, the Pacific Sovereignty Run. This is the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. You know, so, anywhere, anywhere that I can think of in the United States, period. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's a historic event. Can you tell us a little bit about the vendors and just like what you have going on out here right now? I mean, there's like literally hundreds of bikes. You got a bunch of different clubs from a lot of different backgrounds. You got a bunch of different vendors. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, so basically what we did is we got got together with the community, the motorcycle community, to include riding clubs. We even have a bicycle club because this is a community thing, a cultural-based event. You know, we want so what we did is we got everybody together and showed them the vision, just like it is back when you're at home. It didn't matter what you are. I'll use Hawaii because I can use that as a base that I've seen. Is when you're there, you're treated with the aloha. You, it didn't matter what bike club you're in. Everybody's shocking, giving hugs, you know, spreading the aloha. We wanted to bring it back here because a lot of the clubs, you know what I mean, whether you're a culture club like us, still think we're that bad side and we're trying to change that. We're not. We're just bikers, motorcycle lovers who like to go ride and just, you know what I mean, spread the aloha around. Yeah. That's so, our goal. So, you know, can you kind of expand on, you know, what does aloha mean? I mean, we hear this a lot, but can you kind of give us a little more, you know, in-depth explanation of aloha and for the people who've heard it but don't really really understand the true meaning of aloha? Right. Well, to me personally, it's a word that you can say that word in everybody here. I call the mainland United States. The continent of the United States is the mainland. If you ask anybody from Hawaii or any of the polycultures, the continent of the United States is the mainland. So basically when we say the aloha thing when we're out is spreading the happiness, the kindness of our people. You know, when you say aloha, yes, it says it's goodbye and hello, but when we say spread aloha, we were coming up to you to say, hey, how you doing? You know, we're riders just like you. You know what I mean? That's basically to me. That's beautiful. So anything else you'd like to say, you know, just about the, the run today, the event, or anything, you know, coming up in the future? Um, I just want to say this, that, you know, to let the people who are listening to this, that, hey, you know what I mean? We, this is here for the culture. This is a culture, culture-based ride. And the reason is there's nothing like it, and all our brothers love this. But we're also open to the other cultures and other motorcycle riders, because that's another part that we admire too. We, we want you to come and see what we're about, to show that, hey, we're here to ride like you guys, you know, and just have a good time, spread, like I said, the aloha. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Cruiser, I really appreciate, you know, taking the time. I know you're busy today. You got a lot of people to, you know, talk to. Any last words or anything else? No, I just want to say that, you know, for all you guys who listen out there, next time you see a, a guy from Hawaii or a club from Hawaii, throw him the chaka sign because that's what we're looking for. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
So we've done this before, so yeah. back back at it again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we have a very special guest here with the Seven Generation Podcast, a returning guest, <laughs> Joe Couillet, Professor, how we doing? I'm good, but uh, good catching up as usual, especially yeah. at a cultural event like you're here today. So right on for the talk. Absolutely, so, you know, we're out here at the Pacific Sovereignty Run, and you know, you've joined the show before, so you kind of understand what the Seven Generation Podcast is about. Right. You know, the listeners kind of want to know, like, you know, why, why, from your perspective, you know, why is this event here, the Pacific Sovereignty Run, so important? Again, like you mentioned, Bernard, I'm, I'm Joe Coangelis from uh, Roju Chief or Regional Chief, just like a cruiser said, from Northern California. But the thing about the PSR, Pacific Sovereign Run, was a vision, like cruiser said, trying to get all island clubs and including now indigenous based clubs, right? Because we're all doing the same thing for trying to pump up the culture, but more importantly, the importance of culture because as you know we talked before how in a motorcycle world it's kind of run by a different kind of consciousness yes. so our task would get another consciousness to recognize us as polynesian indigenous people how are we going to use in this kind of connection so that's an important historical thing because of me the event today there's so many different clubs here and as you saw we came to uh kind of the peace uh, uh, table for the kava ceremony that way we break bread, talk, so now we can talk with each other. Can you, can you tell our listeners what the kava ceremony was like? Can you explain oh, that? Yeah. And then you know you can tell us you know, what it was like to be a participant in that okay. today. So the kava ceremony is kind of a, a, a sharing of drink, kava, which is a drink, a natural drink from the islands, the kava, the kava root. And once the kava root is kind of mixed into water, it has this uh, real pleasant taste. Um, and it's a, almost a numbing feeling. Kind of, kind of brings you a consciousness on different things. So what it's designed for historically was always about when chiefs get together, they have a kava ceremony to greet each other, and then at the table talk and talk easy with each other for whatever issues at hand. What you saw today was pretty much I think there's like a 15 different clubs represented by their leaders sitting at a table and drinking, partaking the kava ceremony. So that's what we saw today in the deepness, like I said, when people say, oh man, this is coming a new kind of uh, conversation. And it really was. So when we say the historical thing of this event was that kind of feeling, that we're connected in kind of communication and culture, because we explain what Kava Ceremony is about, and people, and, oh, okay, so that's what we do. So it was a real important thing to have happen and have a ceremonial piece to it. So it's not just, you know, a party, so to yeah. speak. So, so you had mentioned, um, this idea of a new consciousness that's being put out there. Can you kind of elaborate on that? What do you, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, you know, like, like we said earlier when you talked with R.C. Cruiser, uh, what, what is it about you guys that are different, the consciousness? Because we know, especially in all places, even the indigenous side of life, the main culture uh, thinks of us as kind of these characters, right? When you think of islands, they think of the hula dancers, you know, those kind of surfer boys. In indigenous, they think the, the unfortunate thing out there, the Native Americans, they're or the old world, they're Indians, whatever. So that constantly, we, got, we want to get rid of that stereotype and show that we're different people, that we do these things differently, even though it's kind of a natural motorcycle is our, our venue, but we're not, we're different than a typical motorcycle club because we're based in our culture and our people and how we uh, move forward with each other. 
not like the stereotypical, oh, they're another bike club, they're, you know, they're gangs, whatever. So that's the new consciousness that we're trying to promote. And this meeting here today hopefully gets all of us, indigenous uh, clubs, Polynesian clubs, even some of our, our members who are Polynesian, but they grew up in uh, the other sets of the motorcycle world, have a connection. So that's the point of trying to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just my own experience being out here today, uh, something that comes to mind, um, and maybe you can talk a little bit about it, is just unity, you yeah. know, people coming together. Well, you know, the whole thing about unity, like we all know, when more people are on the same page, it gives strength, right? There's no longer just the side, because all oh, like savages, oh, they're by themselves. But after the day, it's no longer about that. It's no longer about pumping up the savage word. It's about us. And we've been using that word a lot when we talk in these different clubs here in SoCal as well as in NorCal, that this message is about us. And when we say us, that means all the different pieces that, that I just mentioned, all the different folks, all the different peoples, but coming gathering under our own understanding what we're all about. Beautiful. So that other consciousness that's, that's out there, do you think there'll be a reaction to something yeah, like know, this? Yeah, you know, like anything, I think whenever there's a main street group, the famous word, uh, change is difficult and sometimes uncomfortable, right? And so in order to get comfortable, you have to know what it's about. But because there's a lot of stereotypical thinking, like we're trying to take something from them or we're trying to uh, step on them, and that's the thing that usually will kind of get the whole backlash because they're thinking we're doing something along those lines. Rather, no, no, we're just doing our own thing. We're Polynesians, we're Islanders, we're Native Americans. We have our own importance. We have our own history. You know, so that's what I think is going to be the backlash. If you just don't understand, but I can share, when folks like that finally find out what we're about, there's no more kind of conflict. So the Pacific Savages are, are you know, motorcycle club, you know, mostly Polynesian, but you do have other indigenous groups. Native Americans are welcomed into the club as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, can you tell us a little bit about just how the inclusiveness nature of the Pacific Savages and kind of what you're trying to build? Yeah, so the thing about us uh, welcoming all cultures, even those Pacific that's based in Polynesia, right? And that's a recognition of the culture. So as other folks come in who are not of Polynesian blood, as long as they recognize what it's about. But here's the, the great thing about it. Once you get involved, you start saying, oh, that's like my culture too. So we found out really quickly that we have so much in common rather than being different. And I think that's a power of our message that when we let folks in who aren't Polynesian or Pacific Island, they find out our stories, our expectations, or anything different than their own communities, even their own families, how they're raised, how we operate, how we kind of expect things. That's the, the, the whole magic of that whole thing, accepting all under this guide of Pacific Savages. Yeah. So, I, you know, I know you're busy, but, you know, I want to give you the opportunity to say, you know, whatever it is you want to say to the listeners about today or anything else that might be coming up in the future. Yeah, I, I, thanks for that. Thanks for the time. And uh, to the seventh generation listeners, we look forward uh, moving forward from here. Like I said, this is a Southern California Pacific um, sovereignty run. We're planning to do a same similar run in Northern California. And hopefully going forward, we can have a gathering statewide, this big gathering of all of us. And, and I say that because if you think in other places, they have that kind of get together, where it's a statewide thing and it's a big celebration. So you can imagine, we're imagining it here. Imagine if we had a whole state invited as well as beyond states. 
this big event that's all about our culture, all about what we're about, our music, our fun. Like you said earlier, we have several different vendors here that came from the community. Just then they came because they knew what we're about. It wasn't really about, you know, of course, it's a business, make money, but it attracts because of the environment of what they're coming into. Yeah, no. This is, you know, powerful stuff. Yeah, very, no. very powerful. You and me so. both, uh, Bernard. Looking forward to the next, <laughs> next steps. Well, I just want to uh, thank you, Professor, for taking the time to, uh, you know, speak with me. It's always a pleasure just, you know, chopping it up with you. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can sit down again and converse and, you know, talk about whatever comes to mind because it's no, always, always a good time. Yeah, always you know, a good time. I like to say to when we last talked, my heart too, the seventh generation idea is so awesome that uh, it really means something to all of us that under that indigenous people's kind of idea because it really is what we tell the next generation is that change you're talking about, the consciousness, what they need to do to do something differently. So that's how come that, that talk is so uh, meaningful to all of us. Just want to say thank you to the Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club and all the, the clubs that were involved in making this event happen. There's a lot of individuals who put in a lot of hard work, Puna Wills Jr. and so many others who uh, were instrumental in making the Pacific Sovereignty Run in Southern California uh, happen. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the Pacific Sovereignty Run here in Northern California. I don't have a date on that just yet. But as soon as I do, I'll make sure to put that on our 7th Generation Instagram. As far as uh, the path of decolonization is concerned, it's definitely a difficult one. And it'll be interesting to see people's reaction to this new consciousness that uh, Kouye is talking about. This uh, culture movement that we're seeing and I've been saying this for a lot of a lot of years now is that in all indigenous communities, you know, we're going through a cultural renaissance right now. And there really is a rejection of these uh, colonial structures. And people are really keen to what settler colonialism is all about. And there's a lot of people who are questioning that. And a lot of us are asking, why can't we have our own lane? Why can't we have our own thing? And why can't we celebrate our culture and our life ways um, in a way that uh, is reflective of who we are as, as human beings? And that's what I saw at the Pacific Sovereignty Run. It was really cool uh, to see the indigenous islander culture on display. If you don't know anything about indigenous islander culture, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That's all I can say. And it's a completely different perspective on the world. And I think that's what we really need right now. We need an infusion of, of new ideas and different ways of doing things. And I think the motorcycle club culture would benefit from that as well. I think the old ways of doing things are just over. And the thing about culture anyway, is that culture is always changing. Cultures are alive and it's time to adapt to this new world that we're, we're living in. And yeah, that old consciousness that Kouye talked about probably isn't going to like some of the things that are happening, but you can't stop these culture movements. And a lot of people have sacrificed a lot to get us here. Um, you know, our ancestors are, are watching us. Our ancestors did a lot to make sure that we would have what we have left in terms of indigenous culture. And so it's incumbent on us to continue to walk this path of decolonization and continue to do the hard work and to continue to think about the seven generation, uh, seven generations, um, 
our kids and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And so that way they can enjoy the things that we enjoy today. And that's really what the seventh generation philosophy is all about, is doing something today for our kids and our kids' kids, the generations ahead that we won't even get to see. And so it's pretty cool to uh, be a part of it, even in some small way. And I'm really looking forward to what the future holds as well as uh, uh, somebody who is now affiliated with the Pacific Savages Motorcycle Club. And I'm really enjoying the process right now. Um, and we'll see what the future has in hold. But anyway, um, next week we're going to be releasing an episode on uh, Buddhism. So if you're interested in learning about Buddhism, I have a really great episode in store for you. We're going to completely shift the focus here. We're going to go from motorcycle club culture, colonization and decolonization. And we're going to talk about Buddhism. So it'll be an interesting shift. But really, you know, the seven generation podcast is really just about the things that interest me. And I'm really just interested in learning and talking to interesting people like Kuye and Cruiser and I had a, a really great sit down um, with uh, Kaz, who is a Buddhist here in Fresno. And um, man, we had a great episode with him and a good friend of mine, um, David, uh, David Thole, who has joined the show previously. So that episode is coming next week, and it's really, really good as well. So until then, Seven Generation Podcast. Hopefully, we'll be you know bringing to you more content, a little bit more consistently. I know I've been a little inconsistent, um, but uh, I have some really great podcasts in store. So stick with me. And until next time, peace. <laughs>